You're listening to the King's Oahu podcast. We hope today you're inspired, your faith is built up, and that you're encouraged by today's word. Come on, somebody say that with me. Look what God's done. Woo! It's awesome. Well, hey, will you remain standing with me as we get into the word of the Lord this morning? And it is such an honor and privilege to be with you. You know, um, I, I never want to take it for granted, the wonderful opportunity that God's given me to preach his word. And I'm so excited about what God is doing in this place. And turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Book of Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And as you're turning there, can I just encourage you real quickly? You know, the, one of the greatest strategies for church growth on planet Earth is inviting people to church. And uh, we want to see more and more people. How many of you guys want to see people saved? How many of you guys want to see people healed and experience what you get to experience? Well, you got to invite people to church. And uh, one of the ways we do that here in this church is we create an invite culture by uh, putting things in your hands so that you can invite people to church. And next week, everybody say next week, we're starting a brand new series. It's actually, we're going to be actually having a mini production every week. And um, we're going to be talking about the fact and fiction surrounding Jesus's death and resurrection. It's going to be really cool. It's called True or False. And can I encourage you? I know ushers are, uh, I think ushers, if you have some of these, can I just encourage you to take some of these and invite your friends? Say, hey, you got to come check this out. Check out the fact and the fiction of, of Jesus's resurrection. And we're going to be dealing with a lot of it next week. Can I just tell you what I'm going to be dealing with next week? Because I'm really excited. Next week, I'm going to be preaching on every single prophetic word that Jesus fulfilled concerning himself from the beginning of his life all the way to the resurrection. How many of you guys think that's pretty awesome? And so we're going to have a blast next week. I'm very excited about it. Well, hey, I'm Pastor Brian and Pastor Kelly. And we got Pastor Brian Butcher here as well. But I just got to brag for a second because Pastor Brian and Pastor Kelly were my children's pastors. And um, that's why I'm crazy. And, uh, <laughs> but they were also the pastors here for, what, eight years? Here on Oahu, five, five years. Okay, it felt like eternity. Um, but uh, they, they did such a wonderful job and just worked so valiantly, really, to see this thing come to where it's at. And we just want to honor you guys. We love you. It's good to have you here. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Here we go. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we ask, Holy Spirit, come. And let your presence move in this place. For Lord, you bring the word to life. Lord, bring wisdom and understanding and revelation so that we can walk in the fullness of what you called us to. I thank you. Lord, open our ears to hear, our hearts to receive. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. amen and amen. You may be seated. The title of my message this morning, if you're taking notes, real simply is predestination. We are predestined. We say, well, pastor, what are you talking about? Now, this is the hard part about that word predestination. It is the most misunderstood, controversial statement or word, uh, unfortunately, within Scripture. 
And we actually have many factions that believe different things concerning predestination. And many will say, well, pastor, what does that word predestination even mean? Well, the first thing we have, to, we have to look at is here in Romans 8. It says, for those God foreknew, everybody say foreknew. foreknew. That word foreknew means to have knowledge beforehand. Can I tell you something that's so amazing about God? God sees all things, perceives all things. He knows all things. There's nothing that's hidden from God. I'll say that again. There's nothing hidden from God. How about this one? There's nothing that surprises God either. He wasn't, he's not surprised by the things that you're facing and the situations you're facing. He's not surprised at what's going on in our nation, in our country. God is not taken by surprise. He perceives all things, knows all things. He is a foreknowing God. Well, you say, well, then, then shouldn't he help me more? <laughs> Can I tell you what's so amazing about God is that he does help us. Is that we can actually have prophetic insight and a foreknowledge in our relationship with him because he speaks to us and he searches our hearts and he reveals things by the Holy Spirit and by his word. A lot of people say, well, pastor, I don't know what's coming up next. Well, read the back of the Bible. You want to talk about foreknowledge? It's all there. Just letting you know. But he perceives all things, he knows all things. So he's a God that foreknew, but he said it, he also predestined. That word predestined simply means to predetermine, decide beforehand. And I love this, I love this statement, is to decree from eternity that which is foreordained. To appoint beforehand, to appoint beforehand. Now, this is what's difficult because as you look at these two words, to foreknow and to predestine, you begin to, if you're not careful, you begin to have a mindset, well, that, well, God then has, he's, he already foreknew what I was going to go through. He already knew my battles. He already knew all these different things. How come he didn't stop it? And, and, and also, if God predestined me, then how can God predestine me to be sick? How can God predestine me to go to hell? And you begin to ask yourself all these questions because we don't truly understand the depth of what it means that God is a foreknowing God. He is a God that has predestined us in Christ. See, this is the biggest problem. How you see predestination will be predicated upon the foundations of your belief system. The way you interpret that, world, that word predestined will really be predicated upon the foundation of your belief system. Everything is derived from our core belief of God's character. So how you see God, how you understand who you understand God to be will determine how you define predestination. See, you got to be careful because God's not some, some God up in heaven having a cosmic pickup game with people going, I choose him, I don't choose him. I choose him, I don't choose him. I hand this one over to Satan. I don't want the, you know, it's like, devil, you can have this one. He's not playing a cosmic pickup game. He is a God that has determined. See, the best way that we can understand that word predestined is that God has determined by his will that which he has ordained. I'm gonna say that again. That God has determined by his will, that which he has ordained. Well, pastor, how does this work? Because does God's will supersede my will? Well, we're going to talk about that in a moment. 
But in order for us to have a true understanding of how God functions, we have to have the revelation of, first of all, a good God. I said, we got to have the revelation of a good God. His character, write this down, God's character is marked by his goodness. God's character is marked by his goodness. Now get ready. We're going to have a lot of scripture here. You guys know how we do. We're going to build a solid foundation. James chapter 1, verse 16. Are you ready? James chapter 1, verse 16. Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Now let's stop there for a moment because obviously something's taking place where James has to write, hey, look, guys, don't allow the devil to lie to you. Don't allow other people to twist and to lie to you concerning God's will and his perfect will. Because obviously there's some stuff going around that, you know, God's, God's vengeful, God's hostile. Hold on a second. Don't be deceived. Don't give in to the lies of the enemy. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, every good and perfect gift is from above. Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. You know what's so wonderful about that? Is that God is a God that bestows his goodness and his grace and his mercy upon us. God doesn't give you cancer. Let me tell you something right now. Cancer is not from God. That's straight from the pit of hell. God doesn't make you destitute. God doesn't, God doesn't cause you pain and hurt. Say, oh, I just want to hurt this person. He's not a vengeful God. That's the devil. And sometimes the devil masquerades as some great crusader that's for you. He's not for you at all. He's a liar. He's a thief. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But he says, but Christ says, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. He is a good God. Well, pastor, God took my father. Well, you know what? I'll be honest with you. I don't necessarily disagree with that. Because I believe there are moments where God decides in his incredible sovereignty to say, you know what? You're coming home. Because he views eternity very differently than we do. He sees eternity. You see, we see eternity as loss. God sees it as gain. That's why Paul says to live is Christ, but to die is gain. So he sees eternity from a different perspective. We see, I can't believe that God took my father. I, now listen, I understand. It hurts. There's a lot of pain there. God received them. Now watch me. God received them. Cancer took your father. Cancer took your loved one. That sickness, that disease took them. Everybody understand that. Well, pastor, why didn't God heal them? Maybe he did. But he healed them from a different perspective than what you see. There's times where I've seen people get healed in the now and in the present. And then there's time people get healed in eternity. We've got to shift our perspective. Because a lot of times we get angry at God and we project. Now just hear me. We project upon God something that he's not. We project, him, we project upon him that he's vengeful, that he's hostile. But he's not. He's a loving God. And God, God does not give somebody cancer. God does not get, well, pastor, God gave me COVID. No, no, God didn't give you COVID. Right. 
Because God is a good God. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. So we have to understand, first of all, if we're going to truly understand predestination, we have to understand that God is a good God. But secondly, we have to understand a part of his character is he desires all to be saved. I'm going to say that again. He desires all to be saved. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 8. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That all should come to repentance. Now, we have to be mindful of something. Peter wasn't just writing to the Jews. He wasn't just writing to a select or an elect group of people. He was writing this letter to give a revelation of who the gospel is for. The gospel is for everyone. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but shall have everlasting life. God sent his son, Jesus, God in the flesh, to die on a cruel, rugged cross, not just for an elect group of people, but that all may be saved. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. This is speaking of God who desires all men, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Oh, please get this in your spirit. He desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Wow. See, we have to, <laughs> we have to get this this morning. It's God's desire that all people be saved. Your neighbor your enemy, your family member. That's God's desire is that all be saved. So we have to recognize when we understand the character and the nature of God, God is good. God desires all to be saved. But are you ready for this? Let, let, listen to the third aspect of his character. And I love, now we, we, could, we could do a whole series on the character of God. Probably it would take us about a year. Just making sure you know. But the third aspect that we see in concerning God in the, from the perspective of predestination, we see that he is a pursuing God. I'll say that again. He's a what? He's a pursuing God. Listen to John 15, 16. This is such a good passage. John, I'm sorry. I'm so excited about this word. I'm, maybe I'm a little too excited for my own good. But I'm excited because I know that God is faithful. John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Now, see, a lot of people misinterpret that scripture because they're not looking at it in its proper context. What Jesus is saying is you have to understand my intentionality to pursue you. I'm a pursuing God. Despite your frailties, despite your issues, because a lot of times I say, oh, how, how could God choose me? I've got issues. But Jesus wanted to make sure you understand. I chose you. You didn't choose me. You were lost. 
You didn't know you're up from your down, you're left from your right. What are you talking about? You chose, I chose you. I pursued you. Can I tell you something that's so significant? That our God is a pursuing God. He is relentless. Oh man, you got to get this in your spirit. He's relentless in his pursuit towards you. God never stops pursuing you. Now, a lot of people, well, Pastor, I feel like I'm constantly under attack by the devil. You probably are. He's trying to destroy you. But can I tell you, there's somebody else that is relentlessly pursuing you night and day. Can I, can I tell you, when you wake up in the morning, you don't have to go, hey, God, where are you at? He's like, I'm right here. I'm pursuing you. I was pursuing you while you were sleeping. I'm pursuing you now when you wake up. I'm pursuing you. He is a pursuing God. Now, you know what's so profound about a pursuing God? Understanding, seeing God as a pursuing God. This is amazing. See, I have a 10-year-old son. Anybody here have a 10-year-old son? God bless you. A spirit of santo. A spirit of santo. God bless you. And I, I need my son's attention, so I, I call. Hasted. No answer. Hasted. 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 Boy. Boy, 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 boy. Right, I'm trying to get my son's attention to no avail. He doesn't answer. Hey, Scott! Finally, I'm screaming. Hey, Scott! Why? <laughs> oh, by you lickings, cause lickings. You don't say what to me, bro. Dirty whoops, bro. What's interesting is sometimes we, we think that that's how our relationship is with the Lord. We have to scream, we have to holler to get his attention. Where it's the very opposite. That's why the word of God has the audacity to say that those who simply call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, you gotta, you gotta remember something. You're not the one seeking, he is. He says, you're not the one knocking, he truly is. It says, behold, I stand at the door. And I knock. Now, I know we seek after the Lord with all our heart. I know that we keep on in persistence. We keep on knocking. But you've got to get the proper revelation of who Christ is and how he works in our life. He is a pursuing God. He's pursuing you night and day. You don't have to do tricks. You don't have to scream and holler to get his attention. All you got to do is connect and say, Lord, I'm here. I will draw. If you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. That's who he is. Friends, he is a God that is good. He is a God that desires all to be saved. And he is a God that is in constant pursuit of us. I mean, I, we could stop here this morning and get enough. But I think one of the, the greatest battles that all of us face is we say, this, okay, Pastor, how do I apply this to my life? How do we make this applicable to our relationship with the Lord? Because one of the greatest battles that we all face is the issue of free will. Free will. This misguided battle that we see throughout Scripture, a misguided battle, meaning it's misinterpreted truly, between God's sovereignty and free will. And a lot of times we draw a line in the sand and we say, okay, God is sovereign. That means he is controlling everything. He determines all things. He determines everything in life, everything that good that happens in life, everything bad that happens in life. It's preordained by God. And so we see God in his sovereignty that there's nothing in this world that's not controlled by him. He's in everything. If, if something bad happens, God did it. 
because he's sovereign or he allowed that horrible, awful thing to happen. But then on the opposite side, we see this thing called free will where we have a will of our own. Now, now we can get way off the truth concerning free will because now we think we determine everything, that everything's according to us and we forget the sovereignty of God. See, friends, it's not either or, and you have to be careful with this. You cannot draw a line in the sand in understanding the complexity and the magnitude of the nature and the character of God. You can't draw on the line and say it's either, you can't draw a line in the sand and say it's either God's sovereignty or it's free will. And what if it's both and? We have to understand it's both and. There's sovereignty and there's also the free will of the Lord. The free will that God's given us. God's sovereignty is significant and it's true and he is a God that determines all things. However, he has given to us free will that we may please him. See, we have to surrender. There's a necessity to surrender to the Lord. To surrender to God is an act of our will receiving his grace. When we surrender to him, it's actually us being empowered. It's him empowering our will. Free will is the only way to have genuine relationship with the Lord. Love that's forced is not love at all. Love that's forced is not love at all. So we see both components we see a sovereign God but we also see a gift that he's given us called faith listen to this Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 this is powerful how do we understand free will how do we walk in this pastor this apparent conundrum that exists of sovereignty and free will how do we walk in this Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 and without faith it is impossible to please God God made a way that we can please him. Listen, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Romans 1:17, for in the gospel, the righteousness, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just it is, as it is written. The righteous will live, the just will live by faith. So he gives us this faith. And really, we have to understand that it's a decision. It's a surrender, a yieldedness to God in which we walk in. C.S. Lewis gives us a quote that God's greatest act of omnipotence was creating creatures that could say no to him. That's what C.S. Lewis says. Isn't that interesting? C.S. Lewis, God's greatest act of omnipotence was creating creatures that could actually say no to him. It's love. See, we have to battle with this idea of universal grace or selective grace that God chose only to give grace to certain people. We say, I'll give grace to this group of people, but I'm not going to give you grace so there's no hope for you. You're all going to hell. And then for you, I'm going to give you grace, but you, you can all go to hell. That's called selective grace. 
But we understand that universally when Christ died on the cross, a grace was released that everyone who believes. Well, you say, now hold on a second. How does this work, Pastor? Because how do we have the faith to believe? I said this a few weeks ago. So let me reiterate this. I, I said this a few weeks ago that to each one of us we see in Romans chapter 12, to each one of us has been given a measure of faith by the Holy Spirit. So that means, now if we see that logically, that means that every person on planet earth has received by the action of the Holy Spirit, because you have to realize something, the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He's not limited in what he releases in his grace. So he didn't release grace just to one. He released grace to all. So if he says that by his spirit, he has released a measure of faith to all people, the issue is not the lack of faith. The issue is the direction of faith. Some of you remember that from a few weeks ago. If every to, everyone was given a measure of faith, that means I can misdirect my faith. Because the same faith that it takes to believe that I came from a chimpanzee is the same faith to believe that Jesus died 2,000 years ago. It's the same faith. The same faith to believe in Confucianism is the same faith in activation in my life. So the issue is not a lack of faith. It's the direction of faith. Wow. That if we direct our faith to Christ, we shall be saved. The, our, one of our biggest problems is that you can't help but look in the sky and understand that there's a Savior, that understand that there's a Creator. That's why, can I tell you something? Evolution is actually being dismissed. Most people are now going, well, there's intelligent design. So there has to be intelligent design. Because to believe there's no intelligent design is not intelligent. That's what they're saying. So there's obviously intelligent design is being dismissed in many circles because people have to recognize, wait a second, there's somebody that did something. But our faith, we've chosen to believe that there's a mighty God in heaven, that there's a savior. It's directed faith instead of misguided faith. So to each one of us is a measure of faith. That faith is a part of us choosing. It's not a limited grace. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's not just a selective grace. It's a universal grace that when Christ died, he died for all. I think the biggest problem is that the only possible way we can receive this grace is we have to walk in humility. <laughs> well, Pastor, are you saying that it's a, it's a works thing that we believe and so now we're saved by, by our works because we believe? No, 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 we're saved by humbling ourselves and acknowledging our need for Christ. But we have to recognize something that another aspect of free will that he's given us is God operates through covenant. See, we're talking about predestination. See, God determined, now just bear with me here for a second, God determined that the children of Israel would walk into the promised land, that they would take the promised land. That's what God had determined. But through their disobedience and their fear, they rejected God's plan. And that's why we see throughout the Old Testament, even the New Testament, there's an if and then principle. If you do this, then I will pour out my blessing. It's the, active, it's the activation of our faith through obedience and surrender. And so we walk in covenant with God. He's a covenant God. 
And that's where we see now our free will at work. We see our free will at work through faith. We see our free will at work through making a decision. We see our, our free will at work through covenant with God. In order for us to truly understand the predestination that God has determined, he has ordained. He has ordained certain things. He has ordained a call. He has determined a call for your life. He has determined that all may be saved. We've got to get the proper revelation. What is it? God is good. Come on, someone say God is good. Come on, one more time. Say God is good. God desires that all be saved. God is a pursuer. Come on, someone say God is a pursuer. But we also get the revelation that God has given us the gift of faith. Come on, someone say God's given us the gift of faith. But can I give you this last point? To truly understand the essence of predestination, we have to see the reality of Ephesians chapter 1. That we are predestined in Christ. This is big. We are predestined in Christ. Christ is the plan. Christ is the solution. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, and I'm going to take a moment so you can turn there because this is imperative that we get this passage. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him. He chose us what? In him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Wow. In love, in love, he predestined us for the adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he freely, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed, which he determined in Christ. Which he purposed and determined in Christ to be put into effect when the time reaches their fulfillment. To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen. Having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying that we're predestined in Christ. That means that there is a moment, there is a moment where Adam and Eve in the garden, they had sinned, they had gone against the will of God. They, the problem that they, that they saw made manifest in their life is here they were destined to walk in wholeness. They were destined to walk in relationship with God, but they made a decision to be disobedient to the Lord. And in that now, there's an actual curse that came upon Adam. He says, now Adam, you're gonna have to toil for fruitfulness. That wasn't my will, Adam. 
My will wasn't this. My will wasn't labor pains. My will wasn't you having to toil. My will was for you to live in the fullness of my presence and be fruitful in my presence, to be fruitful in my presence. That was my will, but you went against my will. You chose to disobey, and now there's a curse that comes upon you. But I got good news for you, that even in that moment, we see here's God having to deal with the nakedness and the sin of Adam and Eve. And God speaks to the serpent. He says, serpent, you who lied to Eve, there's going to come a point where you're going to try and strike the heel of man. But I'm going to raise up someone whose heel that you attempt to strike is going to bruise your face. It's going to walk on you. It's going to put you under his feet. I'm going to give authority back to man. That means in that moment, God in the beginning, God had predestined Christ to be the solution and the answer for the curse. In that moment, he predestined Christ to be the solution and the answer. But you see, there's, can we take it a step further? This is amazing. Because now we go, okay, hey, Pastor, how does, this, how does this work? Well, see, there's this moment where God spoke to this man named Abraham. He says, Abraham, this is from the order of the Lord. Abraham, I want you to go sacrifice your son on an altar. What? God, that doesn't make sense. I want you to sacrifice your son on an altar. So Abraham does everything, prepares everything, and he's planning. He walks up this hill, planning on sacrificing his son on an altar. And then all of a sudden, as he's about to stick that knife, drive that knife through his son, all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord shows up and says, Stop, Abraham. This isn't what I have. As a matter of fact, watch this. I've already prepared a ram in the thicket. That means, can I tell you something? Even before Abraham began his journey to sacrifice Isaac, God was preparing a sacrifice for him. Can I tell you what that means for us today? That even though, you say, well, God, was it God's will that we suffer? Is it God's will that we sin? See, God doesn't sit there and go, you know what? Forget you because you sin. Didn't God know, Pastor, that Adam and Eve we're going to mess up. Pastor, doesn't God know that I'm going to mess up? Yeah. Are you telling me that it was God's will for Adam and Eve to mess up? No. But what God did is even before they messed up, you got to get this. Even before you messed up, he prepared a way for you to be redeemed, for you to be saved. He prepared, he prepared a solution for your sin and for your heartache and for your brokenness. Pastor, pastor, I can't believe God would allow this to happen. Did God intentionally do this? No, no, no. God didn't intentionally hurt you. God didn't intentionally cause you to sin. God hasn't set you up for failure, but God has provided for you a way out even before you sin. He provided a way of salvation even before you got hurt he provided a way of healing come on Amen. that's our God he says I'm going to provide for you that's the context of being predestined in Christ is that from the formation of time from the beginning of time God already prepared Christ to be the solution of our failures and our sin and our pain and our hurts so that those who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
God wasn't surprised by it because he already prepared. Did God know that Adam and Eve would fail? Did God determine and design Adam and Eve to fail? Stop. You're asking the wrong question. You're going about it the wrong way. What you need to think about is what God had already prepared to deal with their failure. Can I tell you something? Christ is already prepared. (laughs) His healing, his salvation, his grace, and his goodness is already there even before your pain, even before your disappointment, even before your failure. It's already there, and you can choose. You can decide now to take hold of what Christ has already become and what Christ has already offered to you, and you can say, I am determined to take hold of everything that God has for me. It's amazing because we have been predestined in Christ Jesus. I want to read for you one last passage, and I want to just bring this all in together. This is amazing. So, Pastor, what does this have to do with me? Well, the good news is this, that today we can be saved because of what Christ did. Today we can be healed because of what Christ did, that God already prepared for you your healing and your salvation, your deliverance, your freedom. But I want you to hear this passage. And I want you to get encouraged this morning. Because I believe this applies to us. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Pastor, what was this whole message about today? My passion as your pastor is that you walk out of here confident. That you're not serving a vindictive God. You're serving a God that pursues you, that loves you. You're serving a God that wants to do a great work in you, that he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. I want you to have the confidence that you have a God that already provided a way out of the situation you're going through, that already provided the healing of the sickness you're going through, already already provided the freedom that you need now. And it doesn't take you groveling. It doesn't take money. It takes you calling upon Jesus because he'll never resist you and he'll never reject you. That's the God that we have. He is a good God. And if there's a confidence that you can have, can I tell you what it will do? It will change every moment of every morning. When you wake up tomorrow morning, you'll recognize that there's a God pursuing you. When you go through your day and every situation you face, you can have a confidence that if God be for me, who can be against me? That as I walk in Christ, there is a determination. Now watch this. My steps, my life, my destiny is determined by the maker of heaven 
and earth. And I choose to align my life with his determination versus the devil's determination. That's predestination. And you are predestined in Christ Jesus. I want everybody to stand to your feet. Come on, let's worship. Let's lift our voice and let's worship him. There's some of those who need to be free. There's some of us that need to be healed. Some of us that truly desire to experience the forgiveness that God offers through Christ. And if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just, will forgive you your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He's already prepared. <laughs> He's already prepared a way for your freedom for your healing, for your salvation. His name is Jesus. He is the solution. He is the answer. He is the hope. Some of you say, well, pastor, I need a miracle. I need healing. I need forgiveness of sins. I want to be free from my addiction. Can I lead you this morning in a simple prayer? That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raises from the dead, you shall be saved. And we're going to pray this prayer together all over this house. But can I ask you, say, Pastor, that's me. Will you pray for me? I, there's areas in my life I need to be free, Pastor. I want to be healed. I've been carrying around these burdens and pains for too long, Pastor. I need to be forgiven of my sins. He loves you so much. And can I tell you right now, by me giving this prayer to you, this is God pursuing you. That's how much he loves you. He's put you in earshot of this message because he loves you. So if that's you on the count of three, will you lift your hands? One, two, three, all over this house. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Can I give one more prayer? Can we pray for those who say, Pastor, I'll be honest with you, my confidence, I feel like my confidence has been shot. I'm just not walking in the confidence in which God has 
as I know he, he's provided for me this life of strength and power and pastor, I want to I want to deal with all the areas, all the lies of the enemy that have been robbing me of my confidence. If that's you, will you lift your hand to the Lord? Wow, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want everybody to say this prayer with me all over this house. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Purify my heart and my mind. Put a new spirit within me. Jesus, I believe that you died for me. That you paid the price and the penalty for my sin so that I can be healed, free, and forgiven. Jesus, you are the answer to my pain. You are the answer for my freedom. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give Jesus some praise in this place? Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and share with your friends. And for more great content, go to kcoahu.com. Thanks again for listening and God bless you.